Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are indeed some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English, as you know, because you're listening to this podcast. Uh, the, po the, the aim of this podcast is to bring you highlights Uh, talk about the Royal Blues and give the fans a point to speak from. Um, as always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing all right. It's uh, not quite Victory Sunday, but it's Victory Tuesday, so uh, I'll take it any way I can get it, huh? <laughs> well, if we were able to stick to any sort of consistent schedule, which is totally my fault, it would have been Victory Sunday when we were recording this, so uh, same thing, I guess. For all intents and purposes, Victory Sunday, right? Um, hey, I'm I'm happy to start off the Rook Runda with a uh, uh, with a win. Uh, this is a nice change from how we started the season, huh? Yeah, fun fact: Schalke are uh, 100% win record in their competitive matches in 2019. So uh, pretty impressive. So the top of the table for second half? No, something. Like <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, right? <laughs> oh man. Um, speaking of Schalke, um, obviously this is a Schalke podcast. I just got my renewal notice to, uh, for the membership. So I'm going to make sure I go ahead and do that. Don't want to lose that membership. Um, speaking of which on the website, um, if you guys haven't noticed the kits are now available at 35% off. So normally they're around 85 euros and I think right now they're going on sale for 55 euros. So I can go ahead and finally get my Weston McKenney jersey that I've been trying to get, or kit, as you guys see in, in, in Europe. Uh, Jack, uh, do you have any uh, Schalke kits in your mind that you want to get? I mean, you better get that Weston McKenney kit before it's a Liverpool kit. Yeah. Based on some of the yeah. rumors that were going around this week, right? Hey, yeah, the sun. I follow the sun. The sun's a BS. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let's hope <laughs> that, that it is. That it is. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Oh, we had a game we we have to talk about and we must because it was actually a, a victory for us. Um, let's get right into it. It was against Wolfsburg. This time it was at home. Um, we're going to go through the lineups because the lineups are very interesting in this one. Uh, the lineup for this one, uh, starting in goal, is Alexander Nubel. Uh, we've been talking about this on the podcast as, as recent as the midseason awards. Um, in defense, Daniel Caligiri at the right, Salif Sane and Matija Nastasic in the middle, and Bastian Ochipka on the left wing. Uh, then you had uh, your midfielders were Weston McKinney, Benjamin Stambouli, Mark Uth, Sebastian Rudy, Alexander Schoff. And then leading the line was uh, Steven Skripsky. Um, first, before we get to the, the notable change in this lineup, um, it was listed as a 4-5-1. Uh, it seemed to me in this game it was really more like a 4-2-3-1 that kept shifting uh, defensively to a 4-4-2 and then offensively to a 3-5-1 or something like that, 3-5-2. Um, as Stambouli and Rudy seemed to be the pivot men uh, in this lineup and the other, the other three midfielders were more pushing up forward. Uh, that kind of the sense you got when you looked at the, when you when the 
or actually started playing. Yeah, yeah, it definitely looked like a a four two three one to me. Um, maybe like a four two 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 when Weston McKinney would push up and right, right. press like defensively when the uh, when Wolfsburg had the ball in in their half. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was definitely a, a four two three one with that kind of like that double six of Stambouli and Rudy, and then McKinney playing that uh, that number ten role with uh, Mark Oot out wide on the on the right side, which is kind of an interesting place for him to be. Yeah, yeah, and also another thing interesting that I thought, which I you know when you talk about our best eleven. I kind of thought, you know, hey, I'd like to see Stambouli in defensive midfielder role, but, you know, when the team pushes up, he goes, drops back into the, the back three, if you will. And that's kind of what he did in this game is when the team pushed up, he pushed back to back three. Then the two wing backs would push up into the midfield. So um, it was nice transitioning from Tedesco uh, in that respect. And it seemed that the, the lineup worked for the most part in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely fluid. And we've seen that a little bit uh, the last couple games of – of the Hinrund, I think that was kind of a thing that was happening as well. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely noticed some of that. It was specifically what you were talking about, maybe around like the 60th minute or so, where it was more like a a three one four two or something, um, <clears throat> which is interesting that they can kind of uh, you know change that shape in different phases of the game and everything. Definitely, as you said, leads to some flexibility and um, you know it, they don't have to be in a rigid system the entire time and kind of uh, change things based on what's advantageous in certain situations. That's, that's always interesting to see. And when you have players that are as versatile as like McKenney and Stambouli and people are, it's, it's easy to kind of do that because they can play different positions anyway. Speaking of versatile, uh, there was a notable uh, change, a uh, new person in the lineup, and that was young Alexander Nubel. He was taking the start over Ralph Fairman in this one. Um, it was just a straight up, I'm dropping you and I'm bringing in, I'm bringing the new, the young kids. So, what did you make of the move, Jack? Uh, we had been talking on previous pods how you know Nubel had been playing well when he was in there. Um, his distribution is much better than Fairman. Fairman's got a little bit of yips every now and then. Uh, so what what, did you, what was your take when you saw his name inserted into the lineup? Well, it's a big call from Tedesco, wasn't it? It um, certainly was. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit torn about it. I, I guess my initial reaction was that um, it's not a decision I would have made at this point. And I, I, that's that's more kind of like emotional from then like you know from you know a pure strategy standpoint or whatever um i guess the way i was looking at it is that ralph fairman is i mean he's your captain and he's been with the club through thick and thin over the last few years and um i mean really like his entire career actually and uh i mean yeah he had he had three really really bad games to end the hindrance there's no you know denying that like that happened and it was it was bad and those kind of things cannot continue but I guess I felt like given the timing of when those games were, which is leading up to the winter break, um, that he at least deserves an opportunity in the Rukrinda to turn those performances around um, and see if he can steady the ship. And, you know, if he had started started against Wolfsburg and made another mistake or had looked really unconvincing, um, then maybe you make that change then. But I, I just didn't like the timing of it coming out of the break. I thought he maybe deserved another shot. Um, given everything he's done for us in the past, everything he's meant to this club. But uh, that being said, um, the only reason this conversation was even taking place is because of how good Nubel was early in the season when he filled in yep. for Fairman during injury. So uh, you can't say that it's that it's undeserved. I mean, he's, he's clearly a great prospect, and in the minutes he's had, he's looked very confident. Um, and as you mentioned uh, a second ago, um, he, is, he is better in distribution. He's way better with the ball at his feet, which is something that um, a lot of people look for in the modern game with goalkeepers. And... Um, I mean, he made a he made a big save, which we'll get to in a minute. I'm sure, if I, you know, in inside ten minutes. So, uh, it definitely was a call that, that I think ultimately paid off. 
And I was kind of like you. I mean, he yes, he is the captain, but we we know how Tedesco feels with captains. It doesn't necessarily mean anything to him. And what matters to him is how you're playing and, and will it fit the team's uh, goal of winning the game. Uh, and I, I was with you on, on that. You know, emotions were taken over, and I'm like, oh, oh, that's a little too soon to put him in. We again, you know, if you're looking at it from the outside looking in. We don't know what's going on in training. You know, maybe Nubel is working his ass off in training and, and Fairman is just going through the motions. Who knows? We weren't there in Spain. We didn't know what was going on. So um, maybe, you know, the, I know the, the announcers, uh, Phil Bonnie and his, and his counterpart, were talking about maybe, you know, Nubel has been working harder in practice and Tedesco is going to take whoever's better uh, in training. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But, um, well, at first it seemed like it could be a, an, interesting, an interesting play. It ended up working out overall. Um, I know they interviewed Weston McKinney after the game, and they asked him about you know, the the change. And he said, "You know what? To us, it doesn't matter. Long as uh, we all know that whenever when your numbers called up, you're expected to play hard, and and we we all fight for each other no matter what." So he said the right things, obviously. But yeah, um, I, I was I was curious to hear that because I knew they were going to ask him about that. And so I was I was listening with a fine tooth comb then to see what he would say exactly. I think it's going to be interesting interesting to see whether or not there's going to be some sort of timeshare going forward. Like um, right. may, maybe they're going to play Fairman in the Champions League or in cup games and play Nubel in the Bundesliga. Um, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. I mean, and I'm wondering how much of this is because maybe they're concerned that if they don't start getting Nubel minutes that he's going to want to leave. Yeah. Um, but it, it is weird timing because, I mean, at the same time, Fairman's only 30, which is not, you know, super old as far – I mean, there's there's goalkeepers that have, you know, played at a high level until they're 40 or whatever. I mean, yeah, so – yeah, well, that, yeah, that's one. You know, Vanderstar, people like that. And, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, like, you know, I guess people tend to believe that um, goalkeepers peak a little bit later than the, the typical player. So, you know, 30 is probably like, you know, just entering your prime or something as whereas maybe it's like, you know, 27 for a typical player or something like that. Who knows? But um, – yeah, I mean, we're definitely not really at the point where Fairman um, would probably be okay with being relegated to a bench spot. Like, he still has a lot of years left in his career and a lot to give. And if he's going to, like, fully lose his spot, it's going to be an interesting question to see whether or not he's going to be okay with that or if he's going to want to um, try to go elsewhere. Uh, so, yeah, that, that'll, be, uh, <laughs> that'll be a big story, I think, probably for the rest of the season, if we're being honest, heading into the summer. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because that was a talk about Nubel before saying like, well, he's not getting the pitch time. This guy is supposed to be this uber talented player that you know is sitting second fiddle to to Fairman. Will he want to go? Well, now it looks like I, I heard rumors during the game, and there's no there's no nothing official behind this, but people were saying, well, maybe Fairman now is going to put in his uh, ticket and want to get out of there in the, in the January window because uh, he feels uh, upstage or whatever by Tedesco and you know doesn't like it so we'll, we'll have to see how this January window pans out I mean if uh Nubel there's what if there's a few more games there's a there's a uh deep people Cal matchup in January as well oh maybe not yeah that might be in February so uh yeah we'll see how the rest of January goes and uh whether that's going to come to fruition or not but um it's certainly going to be um Tedesco's going to have to treat it with kid gloves no matter what the situation like you said is going to be a rotation is Nubel going to start here or now is the Fairman going to come back the rest of the way who knows I guess time will tell on that, uh, but yeah, Mister uh, Mister Young, Mister Nubel, he uh, his insertion uh, paid off dividends immediately. Um, f- was it four minutes into the game? Wolfsburg had to play down on the right wing. Uh, their their player keeps the ball in, crosses in it wonderfully uh, to wide open. I think it was, I want to say it was Gerhardt, but uh, maybe Stefan. I can't. Whoever it was, I believe it was Mehdi. 
I'm going to go with Mehmeti. Okay. Point blank. I mean, like six feet away. And Nubal makes an, a great instinctual save. Palms it over the over the bar. Uh, wonderful, wonderful play to uh, start the game for, for Nubal. Yeah, it, I mean, it really was. Uh, I mean, it, it is a pure reaction save. Uh, saved saved a, a sure goal. I mean, it was definitely on target, and it's it, you know it was you know basically a laser header from just a few feet away. It was a, I mean, a phenomenal way for him to start the game, and that that's awesome probably for his confidence, you know, to come to make a save that early in the match. And um, it, it was funny they showed they showed Fairman no on reaction. the bench a, yeah, a couple minutes afterwards, <laughs> and he was just like totally stone faced about it. So that was that was interesting to see. But uh, yeah, big big moment for the kid, and yeah, like I said, like inside ten minutes, you're you're already seeing that maybe that was the correct call. And did you see all the camera crews at like right, right where Fairman was supposed to be sitting, you know, pre-match and yeah, they're, they're yeah. just snapping pictures galore. I'm like, Fairman was probably like, are you kidding me? Really? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to enjoy the game now. Uh, but yeah, it's funny how in football when stuff like this happens, a big save happens, then it goes the other way and, and, and the other team capitalizes on it. It wasn't instantaneous, but uh, a few minutes later, Schalke, they're on the front foot. Uh, Alessandro Schoff, he makes a move just inside the box. Uh, he gets tripped up. Penalty called. Daniel Calgary would step up and score. Uh, that that was a that was a straight up penalty, right? Right? Or, or did you see another way? No, it was. It, it was. I mean, it was one of those ones you kind of feel bad about because it it was such like a. Shuff wasn't necessarily like in a great position to do anything with it. It was just kind of like a silly foul, and you're and you know from the Wolfsburg perspective as a fan, you got to be really upset about that one. Um, but yeah, it's a loose ball, kind of right on the edge of the area. I think uh, Skripsky was trying to do something with it, and it kind of scored it out. And fifty-fifty uh, ball, Shuff is the first one to get there, and he, he just gets his foot stepped on. And uh, I mean, he's inside the box. He gets his foot stepped on. He goes down. It, it is a penalty. So. Um, Kind of, kind of had to call it, uh, but you know, it wasn't one of those ones where it's like you know, like a one-on-one breakaway or something gets taken down, and right. you know, it's 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 kind of one of those weird ones. So, um, yeah, but n- no Bentaleb in the lineup, so it had to be uh, <laughs> Calajuri. But you know, he's he's taken a n- number of penalties for us over the last two seasons, so um, he's somebody that I have a lot of confidence in as well. Yeah, he's uh, only missed one in the last couple seasons, so he's 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 just behind Bentaleb is or Penteleb, uh as far as the goal scoring prowess in the penalty spot. Um, courtesy of our friend of the show, Phil Bonney, that was the first penalty of the 2019 year. So, uh, of course, Schalke's going to get that, right? Uh, they probably got the first one in 2018. So, <laughs> and, and no reservation from Caligiuri on the celebration. I mean, I know he's playing at home. Yeah. But so- sometimes, even at home, if you're playing against your former club, you try to you try to mute that down a little bit. And he did not care. He ran straight to the <laughs> straight to the fans and was fist pumping and jumping in the air. So uh, <laughs> that was that was interesting to see. He probably. Uh, not making any, uh, not making any friends back in back in Wolfsburg. Yeah, and I, and I think in the in the first game, the Henrunda, he did. I think he scored two, and he didn't celebrate then. Uh, could be wrong. Me, I'm thinking to last year, but uh, yeah, this year he didn't he seem to care, and he's like, whatever. We got, we need the goal, we need the win. So that's good to see. I, I was happy to see that. Um, you know, some guys, some or some teams, or some people can get offended by that. But hey, I say you got to score a goal. Why not celebrate? How often do you score, right? Uh, well, on. I mean, yeah. it's easy to say that, but uh, later in the match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, a few minutes later, uh, well, not a few minutes later, really in the 20th minute, um, Wolfsburg, they would get their opportunity to score. Um, it was a miscommunication in the back. It seemed like uh, neither Caligiri nor Nubel really uh, knew what was going to go on. The ball came to the, the far post. Nubel tries to get out there and, and meet the meet the shooter, doesn't get there in time. Uh, the shooter misses, goes past Nubel, hits the post, 
it seems like everybody else is ball watching at this point, especially Benjamin Stambouli. Um, and then, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Rick Pitic, uh he scored. Rick Pichai, uh, he whatever his name is. Yeah, Rick Yeah. Yeah, he scores. And uh, boom, just like that. It's 1 1. Uh, the fantastic start that Schalke had uh, went away just like that. But um, what'd you make of the goal? Did you take. Some people wanted to blame Nubel on this. Uh, did, how'd you see the goal when it No, went? that's not Nubel's fault. Not at all. Um, so here's what's interesting is that. There was a little bit of foreshadowing to this goal that took place a couple times earlier in the match. Um, yeah, yeah. About a minute and a half in, uh, there's some sort of breakaway for for Wolfsburg. I forget exactly what happened, but Daniel Calagiri is like tucking into the box as if he's a CB, um, and he's leaving tons of space in behind in that sort of right back position that he would normally be occupying in a back four. Um, and I forget if a ball goes in there or like you know there's a cross that just missed somebody or something. But I, but I noticed that and I was like, that's interesting. Like, why is he? where he is there. Um, and then, uh, you know, a few minutes later, um, actually, I think it was like right after um, Nubel made that great save, there was a corner routine that came as a result of it. And that led to an unmarked man on the back post again. Yes, and I think yes. Nubel had to make that save. And I'm not saying that was like maybe Calgary's responsibility there, but there's a couple times early in the match where it seemed like there should have been somebody occupying that space and they were sneaking in behind us on the side. And then, you know, wouldn't you know it, 20th minute Calgary tucks in again and he allows a completely free runner to that area and um you know it was that when he when he picked up the ball off, off of that cross I think he I don't know if he was passing it or shooting it but yeah hits hits the post and bounces out and like so many times we've seen this season uh Schalke are second to that rebound in the box yeah. we, we've let up a lot of goals in that way um I mean you mentioned Stan Bully particularly but uh, I think I don't think Sané came away from that looking particularly good either. He was kind of like jogging around, didn't seem to be have maybe as much of a sense of urgency as I would have liked him to have with that much danger in the box. But um, it was just weird. It, we've seen, we've seen Schalke can see that goal so many times this season. And I, I know it's, it's a hard position to be in, um, you know, where it's a, a rebound and it's a 50, 50 ball. And it's just kind of like luck who gets there first, but um, yeah, not, not a great way to, to go behind. Definitely a, a defensive lapse there. Somebody, or maybe a couple people shut off. Yeah, and when that thing hit the post, I was like, "This is gonna go in because this is what happened to Schalke all year long." And sure enough, it went in. Um, I don't, I don't blame Nubel as well. I, I think uh, one of the announcers was trying to say, "Oh, Nubel misread it or something," but I thought he did what he could given the situation. I mean, there's no one in the back door. I think this, you know, you mentioned the back door being open so much. I think that's why Tedesco made the the switch at halftime, and and Stambouli ended up being on the and the the right center back of the three, and Kalajiri and Ochipka moved up a little bit because I think it was a little bit of adjusting that way. Uh, to take care of that backdoor backdoor play. So, uh, one one at that point in twentieth minute. Uh, that's how they would go into halftime. Um, overall, the first half I thought it was fairly even. Although I thought Wolfsburg had the better of the play. Um, Nubel did Nubel did well. I didn't think he did anything bad in the first half. In my eyes, uh, I'm not going to blame him on that goal like we were like we were talking about. And I thought Schalke did well to create their opportunity going forward. But uh, they uh, on the goal at least. But the rest of the rest of the first half, I thought Wolfsburg had the better of the play and better of the opportunity. They definitely had the majority of the possession in the first half, but I really don't feel like they did all that much with it. It was kind of a strange half in that regard. I mean, um, I mean, I agree with you. I think Wolfsburg came away from the first half looking like probably the better team, but um, there was a long stretch uh, kind of after that uh, goal in the twentieth minute where not a lot was happening for either side. Um, and so even though, you know, maybe maybe Schalke had a significantly less share of the possession in the first half, you can't really point to be, there being that many, like, clear-cut chances for Wolfsburg or anything. It was kind of no, tame. No. Yeah. I agree 100% there. 
Um, but that's when, you know, second half, we got to see uh, an adjustment, an adjustment that worked well. We just talked a little bit about it right there where the, the right the, the back post was kept kept open, so Schalke moved to, or Tedesco opted for the three-man back, three-man three, three man center back with uh, five in the midfield. And that seemed to work for Schalke both defensively and going forward because it seemed like Schalke was getting a lot more opportunity uh, coming out of the second half. Uh, Weston McKinney in particular, he seemed to be everywhere in this game, and it's, or at least in the second half, I should say. Um, there was a play early on in the second half where he was uh, near the byline. He crosses in the middle. Uth gets a header on net. Uh, it's saved by Castiles. Uh, he, the rebound comes right to him. Unfortunately for him, he falls and doesn't get to do anything with it. But uh, McKinney creating some good there, uh, finding Uth, uh, you know, right in front of the net, and that's where you want Uth to be. So. Yeah, that was that was a great sequence. It was really like box to box stuff um, yeah. from from Schalke. There. I mean, that came off of a goal kick. So Nubel, you know, launched that thing deep, and McKetty rose up and, and won that header as he almost always does when he goes into aerials. And he kind of flicked it over to Skripsky, and then he immediately turns around and starts making a run up that left hand side. And Skripsky feeds it right back to him, and suddenly he's like totally released on the left flank. And uh, I mean, does a good job, gets his head up, and picks out a really really nice cross to Uth. Um, um, but unfortunately, yeah, it was a great save from Castiles. I thought it was going to be able to finish that. Um, but he, uh, you know, goalkeeper was equal to it. it was, he didn't have a ton of space to work with right there. I mean, Castiles was pretty close to that near post, so it was tough. But, um, yeah, that was a great opportunity. McKinney really did a nice job, especially the first 10 or so minutes of that second half. Um, he was really running things. And, uh, I mean, Schalke in general, were, um, they, they just seemed to have uh, a greater sense of urgency in the second half at the beginning of it. Um, really good width, a lot of like central runners to match that with providing outlets. And um, there's just a pace and sort of an intention. It seemed like that they were missing a little bit in the first half and are missing a lot of times this season. And so that was really promising to see. Yeah. As you mentioned, Shaka did were on a little bit on the front foot in the early second half. Uh, there was a, a corner not too long after that where Rudy hits a crossbar uh, with a running away header, and then McKinney got a go. He got off a good shot a little bit later. Uh, his shot missed just wide. Um, so Shaka were definitely putting some pressure on 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 Wolfsburg. And then there was a moment I kind of want to talk about where I was a little. I mean, looking at it now, even even watching the game, I was worried about it because what it was is you know Shaka liked to play out of the back, especially because Nubel's good with his feet and whatever. But there's a play where I think Nastasic gave it to Salif Sane, and he was a little bit too lackadaisical with it. Um, he gets pushed off the ball, which I thought was a foul by Veghorst. Uh, Veghorst ends up getting the ball and then shoot, takes a shot on net and just misses wide himself. But Sonny went down way too easily for my for my liking. I don't know if he's trying to get the call or what, but uh, I don't want to see my center backs giving it away like that uh, so close to the net. Yeah, I think that was around like the 65th, 66th minute. Um, yeah, I forget exactly how that came to be. Maybe, like you said, maybe it was like a, a weird pass or put him in a weird situation or something or Sonny just took too long on the ball. But... Um, it it was one of those challenges that if that happens in the middle of the pitch, maybe they let that go as like a shoulder to shoulder thing. But in the box, I mean, it, to be honest, like he didn't he didn't win the ball at all. He really just barreled into Sane and knocked right. him over. Right. And Sane like thought that was going to be a foul and like didn't try to get up right away. He was looking at the right, and the official just let it go. Um, and you know, I mean, like if you're Sane, you got to get up right away and play to the whistle kind of thing. Cause Vegas was able to get a shot off and unfortunately I mean, was on target fortunately for us. But, um, yeah, not a, not a, not a great sequence from us and not a great sequence from the official. I thought that was a pretty obvious foul and that would have been, um, pretty harsh if that's how they had ended up, uh, taking the lead or something. But uh, who was, who was the right? Was it, was it 
Memo Grifa or what? what uh, I forget who, which, which which referee it was, but yeah, um, yeah, strange strange no call there. It certainly was. Uh, I wonder if his back was turned or something. It was, play. It was, it I mean, was Manuel Grifa. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, I, yeah, I don't know what why they didn't call that, but uh, luckily for us, uh, he missed it, and uh, that would come back to pay or bite Wolfsburg right in the in the, in the rear end because uh, in the seventy eighth minute. Uh, Weston McKinney gets the ball, makes a great run down the pitch. Uh, he he passes it off to Daniel Caligiri on the right. Uh, Caligiri, as he did in the Dortmund game uh, in the Hinrunda last season, uh, cuts into his left and and blasts home a shot. Uh, beautiful goal, two to one. His second of the game. Uh, wonderful, wonderful sequence there. Great, great run by McKinney to to get him the ball. It, it was Goretzka like, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yeah, actually. I mean, and that's that's kind of what I like to see McKinney doing. Um, I, I think on the on the pod I did, you know, a few weeks back, the solo pod, um, I, I talked about how I feel like McKinney's first touch is sometimes really sketchy. Now I thought it was better in this match. I thought he played really, really well overall. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I'm a little bit less convinced of him when he's the person that's receiving the ball in around in the box. I think his better role is when he's the one. Running at the defense, exactly, and then distributing it. Um, and, and I think you saw a lot of that today, given kind of where he was positionally. But, um, yeah, the 78th minute, he, he picks up this ball like around midfield somewhere. And for whatever reason, no one on Wolfsburg tries to step to him and, and, and shut him down and make him pass the ball or, you know, slow, slow his pace, whatever. He basically has an acre of space in front of to run into, which he takes full advantage of. Um, it was very much like, like, like I said, like Goretzka, like box-to-box kind of stuff. And, um you know, he, he kept his head about him and ultimately picked out a really nice pass to Calgary on the right side. And, uh, yeah, it was a good finish, uh, kind of like with that, 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 that cut back against Dortmund in the Derby last year um, where, where he rifled one in. So, uh, great goal. You love to see that. And uh, from, from the Wolfsburg perspective, uh, I think it was Breckelo was just, like, jogging back and made no effort <laughs> to, like, get in front of Calajuri. And then even when he received it, kind of, like, slowed down by the edge of the box and made no no yep. effort to kind of jump in front of it and block the shot. And uh, that was not a good look from him because if he had been, like, running that entire way, there's a chance he shuts that play down. Um, I mean, it, it was a great play by McKinney and Calajuri. I'm not trying to take that away. But, like, just, yeah, w- weird weird play in that situation for, for Wolfsburg. So they're probably pretty disappointed to let that one go. Um, seems like somebody should have stepped to either McKinney or Calajuri at some point during that sequence, and no one really did. But, uh, yeah, you love to see that. It's a nice nice, nice counterattacking goal for us, and it's a nice goal from open play. It's good to score something that's not a penalty for once. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> love to see McKinney pick up an assist. Good game from Calajuri. Yeah, and uh, McKinney, up to that point, he was, ha- he was having the vision, but he just couldn't quite connect the dots. Uh, several plays in the game where he looked for a player, and either no one was there or his pass and miss. A couple times he looked for Uth. Uh, who was streaking, and he, I mean, every, you could see it on TV that who he was going for, but it, the pass just never got there. And vice versa, Uth kept trying to find McKinney uh, during the game, and they couldn't find each other because they kept getting blocked by the defenders. Yeah. So. I don't think he's he's the most technical player we have, but I do think he has a really excellent football IQ, and he has great vision. And yeah. then when you combine that with sort of his natural attributes and everything else, he, he can be a very dangerous player. So I, I love to see that. I, I like that number 10 role. Um for him uh we'll see if he can settle into that going forward who knows where he's going to play week to week but yeah that was that was good to see no it, it definitely was good to see and the team actually responded really well i thought alessandro shelf had a really good game himself uh we're going to talk about number 13 a little later in the question segment but um overall i thought the team did 
very well, especially in the second half. Um, there's a play in particular, though, uh, with, that involves two of our substitutes that I want to I want to talk about before we wrap this game up. Uh, we're in nah, stop. let's let, let's just skip that. Let's just keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people, a lot of buzz got about this because uh, it's stoppage time. Swat Serdar and and Haji Wright coming down basically on a two on one. Serdar makes a play that we all see. Haji Wright open back door, uh, gives it to the young American. Uh, everyone's thinking. Everyone in the stadium. Everyone watching at home thinking this is a goal. Wolfsburg thought this was a goal. They stopped playing. Uh, Haji Wright. The pass is a little far ahead of him. Yes. He takes a shot and he misses the net completely. Now, initially, everyone's like, how'd you miss an empty net? Uh, but looking back at the replays, the goalie put him in a tough spot. The goalie came out, read that read as best he could. How'd you write, try to go against the grain, which you should, and he just unfortunately missed it because it was too far ahead of him. That's how I saw it. Yeah, that was that was not a great, great moment from the American perspective. No, um, no. First of all, he, he's got to score that. It's a one-on-one with the keeper. He's wide open. It's a great ball in from Serdar. Wolfsburg, as you said, is not really – I mean, they kind of – I think they're sort of resigned to the fact that's going to be yeah. a goal. Yeah. You absolutely have to put that away, and it was it was, it was was a bad miss from him not to do that. Um, that being said, I am going to try to justify it slightly as an American because I have to, you know, protect my boy. But um, <laughs> it, it still is his fault. But what, what happened, I think, is if you watch it – I'll check the replay again. But if, if you watch it, I think what happened is he almost started to try to check his run at the last second, because I don't think he was sure he was going to get the ball. And when he did that, it kind of took him off the pace he had had, and that's why the ball was slightly out in front of him. And so whereas maybe he, that would have caught him right in stride and he could have either taken a touch and fired it in or just kind of hit it one like first time and, and you know been in a good state of balance to do that, I, I think he had to kind of reach out for it with his right foot to like make sure it didn't go past him. And that kind of turned into one fluid motion where he was trying to control the ball and shoot it at the same time because Castillo's had come out and closed the angle down. And that's why he ended up missing it. Um, So maybe if he hadn't tried to, you know, had a very slight hiccup or hesitation, which is what I think I saw, maybe he would have been in better position to kind of fire that in right away. But um, that would have been, that would have been awesome for him to come on literally just for stoppage time and get one opportunity and and fire one in. I mean, he's not really in, in, in as much, dangerous perhaps he was uh when he was making his appearances in the Hinrunder because he has been named as a permanent member of the senior squad now whereas previously he was just kind of called up for you know a specific period of time um so I, it's like he's in danger of getting dropped back to the reserves anytime soon i wouldn't imagine um but uh that definitely would have helped his case if he had if he had put that one away How'd you write if you're listening? We got your back, bro. We got your I back. was also I was also <laughs> upset because on the on the midseason awards podcast, I made my bold prediction that Suat Serdar would be named as the most creative player of the second half. Yeah, it was creative and, pass. I know he should have had an assist like That's right off the true. bat in game one, and then Wright screwed that up for me. So I was upset uh, about that. I was gonna look like a genius. <laughs> uh but otherwise, you know, the, yes, he missed the play, and luckily he didn't come back to bite us. Uh Shaka would win the game two to one. Uh, they they reversed their f- misfortunes from the beginning of the season uh, against Wolfsburg. So a good way to start the Rukrunda um, Shaka move up. They were 14th place going into the game. They moved up to 12th place afterwards. Uh, so it's good on them to get closer. Like, we, like we've been talking all season, Shaka, though they are very low on the table, they're many, points-wise, they're not that far up. So they keep stringing these wins together. They can jump up the table really quickly, though. They got some daunting Taunting uh, schedule coming up not too not too far in the distance. Um, Shaka fans, what do you think of this match? Uh, let us know at so four underscore podcast on Twitter and tell us your thoughts. No one 
right, Jack. Um, let's uh, before we get to the listener questions, let's look ahead to our, the next match, uh, Hertha Berlin. Uh, this game, uh, for most of us who don't want to remember, um, it was at home. Uh, we lost Berlin Hertha two uh, nothing. Uh, Andre Duda with a with a brace in that game. He was a monster. Um, <laughs> Mr. Duda has since. Uh, gone on to score seven more goals in the league, so he's got nine goals on the season, so he continues to be the dangerous man for them. Including a brace against Nuremberg last weekend. Yep. So um, he's he's definitely <laughs> in the same kind of mood he was when we yeah. faced him last time. He's He's been phenomenal this season. I was I was really impressed with him in that match against Hertha earlier in the season, and not just because of the goals he scored, but he, he was all over the place in that one, and he was we had he no answer. We had no answer for him. running at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so this is an interesting matchup. Uh, the team we just beat, uh, Wolfsburg, are in sixth position. Hertha are in seventh position. They're very similar teams record-wise, points-wise, goal differential-wise. Um, this is going to be a tough match because you're going to be at, at Berlin, I believe. So um, what do you think Schalke need to do? First of all, lineup-wise, um, I like the lineup that we used. Not only, it was similar to what we used against Stuttgart. Uh, but I like the lineup in particular. I like to build consistency with the squad. I would I would love to see the same or mostly same squad going to the next game. Well, the first thing Schalke needs to do is postpone this match until a little bit later in the day so that I can watch it when it's not at work for me. Because um, this is a Friday afternoon one, I believe. So it's going to be like one thirty Central Time here in the States for me to uh, try to catch this one. I'm going to have to you know covertly get the headphones in at work and see if I can <laughs> sneak a couple peeks at it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that we talked about with Marie on the midseason podcast, isn't it? Just, you know, the, the, the amount of squad rotation, and, and maybe that squad rotation has been a touch excessive and has unsettled the team to some extent. Um, it would be nice if we could get, you know, some kind of rhythm going and, and um, you know, not rotate five players out of the team every time we have a game. You know what I mean? These guys got to, I mean, training is one thing, but you got to build some on the field chemistry as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I liked. The system we were playing for the most part, I thought, um, I think Skripsky up top is, I, th- I think his movement is pretty good. Um, he makes some good runs and, and gets into interesting positions. And, you know, he's not like a stagnant target man up top. He, he's he's active, he's doing stuff, and he's pretty good in the pressing game as well. And um, uh, I don't, once again, I wasn't like thrilled with Rudy's performance, but I didn't mind that that double pivot of, of, of Stambouli and Rudy initially either. I thought that was a very solid base to kind of build out of the back from. so And and Mark Oot in a position where he can um, run around and get into space as well and maybe pick up the ball a little bit earlier so he's not just kind of like, you know, sitting up top waiting for something to happen is is, is useful as well. So I, I did like the system that we played. Um, I'd have to take a look at, at Herita again and kind of see if I think we should make any tweaks for that specific match. But um, do they, do they, what do they normally do? Like what, 5-3-2? Is that what they play generally? Uh, let me look it up right now. Uh, Hertha typically play, or last last week I should say they played a uh, a five three two. Well, um, I think the strategy is uh, deny the ball to Duda. How about that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's a great, that's a great decision. And Abisovic who scored as well, and just no. take him out as much as you possibly can. Somebody man mark that guy. Five men on him. <laughs> Give him no space. <laughs> They, yeah, they, no, they they got a good team though, dude. They got Abisovic, they got Selke, they got you know Marco Grijic and and um, Plattenhart's a good left back. I mean, Meyer, it's a yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a good team for sure, and they're they're up at the top of the table for a reason. I, I think uh, I think the result earlier in the season was was fully deserved. 
um, they were the better team there. And, and you know, we got to be careful because they might very well be the better team again. Hopefully uh, that was a wake-up call for them. They'll be able to uh, show up in this game. Um, it worked for the Wolfsburg match. They played a lot better against Wolfsburg the second time around. So hopefully the same same result for uh, against Hertha the second time around. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. At Berlin is never easy. Uh, just playing them anywhere it doesn't matter. But uh, right now this season in particular, they're, they're pretty good at home. And as we mentioned, Andre Duda has been having a heck of a season so far. So, um yeah, it'll be a, a, a tough task. We'll, we'll 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 be curious to see who's going to be in net for Schalke, uh, but we'll see when uh, when when Friday comes. Um, any predictions for this one? Oh, I, I got to be optimistic, man. I got to go for a. Uh... You know, I'm going to go uh, another two-one victory for Schalke. Same thing as the Wolfsburg match, dude. I, I think I think we gotta we gotta turn things around a little bit. We started the season. Losing to both these teams, maybe we'll start the uh, second half winning against both these teams. That would be good. And so with that, I'm going to – against Wolfsburg, we reversed the scoreline from the first game. So I'm going to reverse the scoreline from the first game against Hertha, and I'm going to say 2 nothing Schalke. Nubel with a shutout. There you go. Hey, there you go. All right. Uh, let's flash forward now to the question segment of the podcast. Um, first question is going to come from Schalke fans Australia. Question is, should we try to find the set position for Weston McKinney, or is him being a Mr. Fix-It around the pitch too valuable for us? So this this question is difficult to answer um, in, in a way that like separates me from the American perspective. Because Wait, you're American? I, <laughs> because I think there's... I mean, there's definitely some overlap between, you know, Schalke fans and, and American fans in terms of how they might feel about this. But I'll say this, like the U.S. men's national team perspective, I think, has been that we would very much like to see Weston McKinney, um play a certain position consistently right? so that he can he can grow in that and get comfortable with it. And then hopefully that position is the same position he'll be playing. Uh, you know, in the national team setup, and he can slot in comfortably, and there's, there'll be some sort of continuity between his club and and, and national roles. Um, and when he's you know changing positions every week, it, it's hard to know where to put him in the national team setup. And for somebody who figures to be as big of a part of that setup in in the years to come as he, he figures to be, it's you know that's a huge question for us. But I mean, it, it's definitely not a bad thing for him to be versatile because it's going to get him more minutes. And it's definitely not a bad thing for Tedesco or the team because he, he can solve a lot of problems that way. Um, but I, I do think it would be better if we could try to find a way to, to, to have him play a position consistently. I, I think that number 10 role potentially could be that that position because we certainly have enough players that can do that that deeper holding midfield role like Stambouli and Rudy and Mascarell and people like that. Um, I think McKenney, um I mean, he looked good in it in, in in this match. Definitely, I think he has the skill set to pull that off. I mean, he's not like you know like the greatest, the most technical player, the greatest passer in the world. Like maybe like what you think like a, like a typical number ten, but um, we, I mean, we definitely see he's he's dangerous in behind that that front line. And um, yeah, I mean, w- w- how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, maybe I'm looking at the same kind of lens that you are, but I thought the role that he played, the uh, you know, this past weekend was uh, the role that he should play because. I agree with you. You know, we have enough defensive-minded midfielders who can uh, do the job admirably. You know that you guys you mentioned, and so I think the being one of those attacking three uh, attacking three midfielders or, or the ten role, um, he plays the best because you want him more in the middle of the pitch and then put on the sideline. Because on the sideline, when the games that I've seen so far this year that he's been on the sideline, in particular the right side, 
he struggled a lot. It feels like he's been pinned, pinned up against the sideline. And when you put him in the middle of the pitch, he seems to have more freedom. He can do whatever he wants, going side to side. Doesn't feel uh, boxing at all. And he, he does well against the pressure. And he, he can push up. He's that bulldog, too. He's got the energy, too, the work rate. So you don't have to worry about him not coming back. He will come back. Um, and he'll, he'll push up, as you saw in the, during the game. He's one, you know, he'll, he'll go up there with Skripsky and, 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 and press the back line to try to get a turnover. So uh, that's kind of where I want to see him if, he, if he's on the pitch. If he's starting the game, if he's coming off as a sub, I'm fine with the Mister Fix It because he is very versatile and do whatever. But yeah. if he's starting the game, I, I, I like that ten roll or the box to box midfield midfielder guy, kind of like a Goretzka, yeah, Goretzka type. So for sure, and I think I guess the other thing is that like once again from 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 the American perspective, um, we do not have a number 10 at the moment. Like we're kind of, that's, that's a position that we're looking for. And there's a lot of people that want to put Christian Pulisic in that role. Um, and there's a lot of people that feel like his best position is out wide. So McKenney slotting into that role would solve that problem. Although there are a lot of people that are also clamoring for like a Tyler Adams, McKenney double pivot. But I think the number 10 role makes a lot of sense, particularly because of how good he is on aerials and everything. And if you have him further up yeah. the pitch, he can be that target man. Um, to win a lot of those and knock him down for his teammates, and um, I mean that's huge. I, I think I think the further up the pitch he is in that regard, the better it is for everybody. So, um, it, yeah, part of that's like selfish for me, but part of it I think it makes sense for for Schalke as well. Yep, I I couldn't agree more. Um, let's go to our next question. This is from Depre Cero Cuatro, uh, our Brazilian friends here. Um, they ask, when is Briel Embolo coming back? This is a good question because I do not know. Do you know, Jack? I believe there was just an update on this a couple of days ago where it is now apparently looking as though his entire season might be in jeopardy. Oh, no. Um, yeah, which would be horrible given you know the injury history this guy's had. Um, I don't think anyone expected it to be that bad when he initially sustained this injury. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to be back for the start of the uh, the rook run to here it was probably going to be you know maybe late february or something or march was the timeline but i mean it's looking like by the time he gets back we're only going to have a couple games in the season and what's the point of putting him at that point maybe just let him rest you know more over the summer and keep training or i mean I don't know, maybe put him in for a cameo or something kind of like we did with baba ramen last year but um that was the update i saw i'll have to double check on that but it, the last i saw it looks like they're not optimistic that he's going to be featuring for Schalke for the rest of the season which is a which is a huge blow and i feel no, i mean i feel i feel terrible for him because he has so much promise and it, i mean yeah we, we've been a little bit critical of him at times because we don't think he's he's reaching that potential but it, it's also difficult for him to do that if he's not healthy man um he's got to get consistent minutes and it's just been you know your heart goes out to him maybe he's going to get bigger and stronger or something i don't know because yeah it's a, it's a very unfortunate if that's the case because uh, he's already had season-end in injuries before. And the one thing you don't want to have is is that stigma of being an injury-prone player. Uh, Marco Piazza, who we had last year, is known as that kind of player. And there's some other players around the world that, that are known like that. So hopefully you know, this is not the case and he can just recover and get bigger and stronger and, and not have these kind of injuries going forward. And maybe that's part of why Haji Wright gets a call-up to the senior squad now because maybe they knew that and – uh, they'd rather have another Ford on the on the uh, striker in the lineup than not, you know. So uh, the, we we saw what the injury problems we had with the striker position this season. So it's never a bad thing to have another striker on your lineup. Uh, yeah, definitely. So. Dr- drop a midfielder like DeSanto and bring in a striker like Haji Wright. <laughs> that name made made the podcast tonight. Uh, okay, so the last question uh, I really want to get into because uh, we may have different points on this. We may not. Well, time will tell. 
Uh, this question comes from Matthew Karagic. He is a writer for the Bundesliga Fanatic, and he's on the Zweite Bundesliga podcast. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. If you want to learn more about the Zweite Bundesliga, certainly check out this podcast. It's a great podcast. So uh, he asks, what were your impressions on Sebastian Rudy's performance versus Wolfsburg? Um, I will let you take the floor first. I can't recall him doing anything that I specifically noticed that I was upset about. How's that? Okay. <laughs> because that is a step up from what many of the games we've seen this year. Yeah, yeah. There's been a number of times where I'm like, I don't think he's working hard enough, or he's, he's you know, he's not marking the right guy, or, or something, um, or I don't think he's being aggressive enough in possession. He's playing a lot of like, you know, reverse balls, whatever. Um, I, I can't recall a specific moment where I saw him do something and was like, ah, Rudy, like, what are you doing, man? Um, now that doesn't mean he had a great game. Cause I feel like he was kind of anonymous in this one, but we have talked about in the past that, you know, if you're playing that, that number six role, um, sometimes not having your name called actually means you're doing a pretty good job. Right. Um, Cause you're just kind of blending in with possession, everything and you're helping facilitate everything. So um, I will say that I will be keeping a close eye on him going forward, but the comments he made um, coming out of training camp, I believe, which were that he, he really wants to improve things and wants to try to become a leader in this team. Yes, yes. Those were very promising because, you know, you were kind of wondering, you know, he gets sold to Schalke and then has a bad first half. Maybe he's just going to be like, oh, God, this is not the right fit for me, and this was a mistake coming here, and I want to leave. But, I mean, it sounds like he's at least making the right comments and saying the right things. So um, that's promising, and hope, hopefully the performances end up following that because I think we would all agree that he definitely has the talent to be um, a huge contributor to this team. So um, I'll say it was a, a slight improvement from Rudy. How about that? Hey, no, that's 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 very good. That's very good. Um uh, earlier in the season, I said that I whatever game it was, I want to say maybe it was Nuremberg or something like that, um, that it was the best game I'd seen of him at that point. Um, and it wasn't even what it was. It was a game he had errors in and whatever. I think this game was his best game in a Shaka uniform. Um, now, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying this. I heard his comments from the from the training camp saying, I want to be a leader, this and this and that. So when I was surprised to see him, his name, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was surprised to see his name in the lineup in this game. So... I, I paid even more particular, more attention to him during the game than I would normally because I was just like, I was waiting for this guy to make a mistake. And so I was watching him like a hawk. And I thought he did quite well. Um, he was very, he was anonymous in the sense that he didn't make any mistakes. Um, he had his, his long ball distribution was actually pretty good in this game. A couple of plays in the game where he would feed a, a long cross field pass to uh, Caligiri, hit him, hit him spot on. Um, he was moving a lot more and the games early in the season, you just watch him. He just stands still pretty much the whole game. I uh, wouldn't make any move in this game. I saw a lot of moving from him. He ran, he ran up with the ball a lot. Um, he didn't keep the ball long. He just quickly dished it off uh, a lot more forward passes than, than, than previously. Um, he made some runs as well that I, uh, he, while, while he had that, yes, he had the header. That's a, that's a corner or whatever. But um, I thought, he he did more in this game than he did all season long, movement wise, um, passing the ball more forward than just in, just in, in the back, uh, getting himself open. I think having in the, at least in the first half, having Benjamin Stambouli there as a second pivot, it was it was helpful. I think had he been the only pivot guy, uh, he would not have done as well. I think um, having that second guy there helped him tremendously because it took a little bit of the pressure off, at least defensively, and he opened him up to be able to. Uh, be more free and, and, and try to take more risks going forward. So um, while he didn't do anything super, super impressive, there, there were moments in the game where he looked like the Rudy that, to me at least, 
uh, that I can see why they signed him because he had, he had some good vision, some good passes going forward and and cross pitch passes uh, on 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 pinpoint basically. So um, he needs to do more, obviously, because we paid we paid big bucks for him. We expected a lot from him from what he did with Hoffenheim. But I thought this was uh, his best performance as a Schalke player so far. So okay, far. yeah, sure. So um, yeah. So that was the last of the questions. Uh, anything else uh, you want to talk about as far as Schalke go? No, I'm just I'm glad that we got off to uh, a good start. Hopefully, we can keep that going. Um, you know, we we still have a lot of ground to make up, but at the same time, I think between us and Wolfsburg right now, it's like what, like seven points. So, um, you know, if we get hot and catch a right run form, we could, we could be right in the mix to try to grab something in Europe. It's a big ask, but. Um, you know, one game at a time, and uh, this was a slightly more promising performance this week, and I'm, I'm glad we got got off on the right foot. Yep, and this is a, a good way to begin the Rukunda, like we like we talked about. Um, hopefully, we can keep this train rolling. Uh, I'm very I'm very curious to see what the next lineup is going to be. Uh, is going to be more of the same? Going to be a little bit different? Um, completely different? Who knows? Uh, so we'll we'll have to wait to see on Friday to see how that goes. But um, yeah, a good way to start a good, good way to start the second half, and uh, let's just keep this going. Um, on that note, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, we want to thank Shaka for our tidbits on our podcast today. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Shaka U.S. newsletter by simply going to the team website, entering your email address, and you will get them weekly or monthly, I should say. Um, a special shout out to our friends over at NBC4 Nashville as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention them in this podcast. Of course. Of course. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, very good. Um, once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoos. Shoos.